0: I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day with great bargains. So, what's the second biggest thing we spend money on? Transportation. And so, if you're going to buy a car, new or used, wouldn't you like to know that it's going to be with you and not with the car shop, repair shop? Well, I'm going to talk you through how you improve those odds later this hour. We'll talk to you about something that has come up as a real danger, and that is laptops and the batteries in them. So you may have heard that there was this alert put out That you should never ever check a laptop as check bags if you're flying, you know, in your check baggage. Because in the cargo hold, a laptop battery can end up spontaneously combusting and the fire cannot necessarily be contained at all inside the cargo hold. But a laptop that would catch fire in the passenger area people are going to see it they're going to smell it they're going to know it and with the fire equipment in the passenger cabin it may be upsetting to people but the fire will be able to be put out and you know there was the problem was it one or two years ago with the note 7 from samsung that the batteries they had had a design manufacturing defect and the batteries were spontaneously combusting. Well, they figured out why that happened and all that. But regardless, batteries are potentially unstable. And I would recommend to you, you know, soon it it's likely to be required worldwide, that you never check a laptop, but that you not charge a laptop while you're sleeping. There is apparently an enhanced risk that a laptop could catch fire when you're charging versus just sitting there, and I know a lot of people will work with a laptop all day. You get home, you plug it in, it's charging while you're sleeping, and that's a danger level that is unnecessary for you to take. So while you're awake, you charge it. When you're asleep, you unplug the charger just to improve the safety quotient for you. And the issue of spontaneous combustion with batteries eventually we will come up with a way to prevent that. I just have faith in science and chemists. But for right now, just take simple precautions to be protective of yourself, your family, and if you're flying, your fellow customers on the flight. Colette is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Colette, how are you? Juan, how are you? Thank you so much for taking my question. Certainly. How can I so, serve you, Colette?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm interested in trying to better understand and make some decisions around email addresses. So, um, you know, there's so many different providers of, um, you know, email email domains that you can choose. And with all the issues around, um, you know, security, protecting personal information, I'm wondering if certain providers um, do a better job of, you know, protecting you than other providers. So, for instance, the difference between like Yahoo or at and or Gmail.
0: Okay, so the one that's considered to be the best out there for public use mm-hmm. is Proton Mail. Proton, okay. P-R-O-T-O-N Mail. Okay. That uses all uh, different steps to try to make the mail you use more private, more secure. Okay. And Gmail has a new system that, if you really want to make your mail as secure as possible, Gmail has something that uh, you could think of it as as three step authentication. Mm-hmm. You have to sign into it. Uh, You can have a one-time use code texted to you, and you also have to use a digital key. A digital key is a physical device that if you don't have it with you when you want to go on the mail, you cannot get into your own mail. Mm -hmm. And they call it advanced protection. And the techies are pretty ecstatic about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's... Proton Mail is specifically about your communications being private from any private uh prying eyes mm-hmm. and the Google advanced protection is more specifically about making sure as best as you possibly can that even an, a very skilled hacker would not be able to get into your gmail mm-hmm
1: yeah that digital key is that something that is you know is something that you would use on a phone if you're accessing your email on a phone or on a computer, and are there different ones and are there charges yeah so
0: uh, a digital key costs typically around fifteen to twenty five dollars mm-hmm. most often right around twenty in fact uh Google has for their gmail they've got a click over where you can see different sellers of the keys and mm-hmm. How they actually work with each device that you have
1: mm-hmm. okay, and then without this digital key, is Gmail considered up there in terms of protecting you know prior to the this new digital key I don't that, think I don't think
0: that any email is especially safe from people that would hack in mm-hmm. and that's why the digital key is something that the people that are really into privacy, that are techies, are so excited about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Yahoo, uh, if you are a user of Yahoo, you know that every Yahoo user in the world, all three billion Yahoo users, had their credentials breached.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So Yahoo is definitely not a safe option.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I think that looking at the ProtonMail Looking at doing the advanced security with Gmail would be a good start if you want to get as private as possible with your email. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Scott. Hey, Clark. Scott, you have a dilemma about the wallet with the biggest expense we have in our lives. Tell me. Well, my
3: wife and I, we're uh, we're looking to move move away from where we're currently at we're currently staying with her grandmother to kind of help out with her health and it's more so a convenience thing for us as well but um the biggest question is we don't know whether it's better to kind of rent an apartment first and build up some actual renter history or if we you know it'd be safe to say we can go ahead and just try and buy a house
0: yeah that's a great question so the advantage of buying a house these days is the federal reserve has been manipulating interest rates so much that mortgage rates have been unusually low for a very long time if you take a couple years save up money for down payment the risk you face is that interest rates may have moved up and that will make your effective costs per month higher than it would have been otherwise but, well, the Go ahead.
3: The other the other problem that, you know, is more so of a concern is like, you know, as far as credit-wise as well, because my wife, she, she has fairly decent credit, you know, in the upper 600s, but whereas mine, you know, at 18, I got mixed up with some student loans, so I'm trying to kind of correct that and fix it, and it's going up, but it's still not quite there yet, so the real, you know, that begins to come into play for us as well as... So, like sure. what exactly do we do
0: and how do we do it? Well, that is a that's a wonderful question and there is no one right answer to that. Uh, you know, if you could qualify for a mortgage based on your wife's income alone, then you could potentially consider going ahead and buying a home. On the other hand, if you if both of you are going to need to qualify or if just affording the cost of a mortgage every month would be a stretch you're best off waiting paying down those debts dealing with the student loan issues you have and then you buy a home and and it's not at all unusual a huge number of people in their 20s and 30s have had to delay buying a home because of student loans okay so and i got another question for you scott Okay. One of the key ways you decide whether you should buy or rent, how long do you think you'll stay in the home if you were to buy one? How long do you think you'd stay put? Well,
3: If we can find one that's in a decent area, I mean, it it'd be every bit of a, you know, we'd like to, we intend on making it a forever home.
0: Okay, so that's a big thing, because when you're looking at buying a home, somewhere right around seven years of intended period of ownership is when it becomes a better and better idea to buy instead of rent okay and so since it would be a forever home it's when you'd plant roots in that would be your home then the idea of buying instead of renting as soon as the credit picture is where you want and the debt level is what you want then i'd say you get out there and you start looking for a home to buy
3: Okay, so, yeah, I mean, so, the, the income's not really as much of an issue. Though. Like, I mean, I have the income, just not the credit. She has the credit, but not the income,
0: so. So as soon as soon as soon as you got to the point that your credit score is good enough, since you've got the income, I'd say you get out there and you buy that home. So maybe that's not now, but maybe in the next year or so, that would be right. Roger is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Roger.
3: Hello. Thank you for taking my call, C-
0: Certainly, Roger. You're thinking of becoming someone who sells insurance and investments. Is that right?
3: Yes, sir. Uh, some people have been talking to me about an opportunity. They do uh, different types of insurance, some mutual funds and stuff like that towards retirement and some help with debt and stuff like that, and I was just trying to find out if you think this type of opportunity would be good um, and something decent to
0: try. Yes. So you would be selling a product that is, um, it's not the cheapest product for, uh, if you start doing this for your customers to buy from you, but there are a lot of people who are never going to get around to buying investments or making sure they have life insurance unless somebody like you comes along and beats them over the head to do it. So there's a need in the marketplace and it needs to be something that you'd really enjoy and that you would be there to to serve the people who would become your clients, not just in selling them something, but that you'd really be following up and following through with them to make sure they're staying on their targets and trying to reach the goals that you've helped them figure out they need. You know, it's not about selling somebody mutual funds or insurance. It's about the bigger thing, which is what's somebody trying to accomplish? What goals do they have and how you can help meet that with the line of products you'd be selling.
3: Okay. okay. And would you
0: be doing this full time or part time?
3: Starting out part time and hopefully turning it into a full time career.
0: Okay. All right. And and you'll know as you take the courses If it's something that you really enjoy or not, because you have to enjoy both the detail part of of this and also the people part of it. One without the other, either of the two without the other, it's not going to be a good choice for you. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And it's not a ripoff. It's not a scam. It's just more expensive for people to buy what you'd be selling than for them to go buy on their own. Keith is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Keith. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have something you wanted to bring to my attention and share with your fellow listeners about protecting one of the angles of protecting your identity and your wallet concerning Social Security, right?
4: Right, right. You mentioned the other day that if you wanted to create a My Social Security account that you would have to file your credit file. And I kind of ran into that the other day when I went to create my Social Security account after you recommended doing that with the Equifax breach. Um, And it said, you know, we can't create the account. But then I did a little research on their site. And um, you can actually go into one of the local Social Security offices. And if you bring your identification, they can give you a one-time code and instructions that allows you to create the account online at home after you get that code.
0: Keith, that's brilliant. Nobody yeah, has so said yeah. that. How did you figure that out? I found
4: it on one of the Social Security uh, sites, uh, on one of their pieces of documentation. They mentioned that. It said, if you still want to create the account, visit one of our offices. So I did that. And they were really helpful about it, too.
0: I'm so impressed because, you know, I, I found out about the problem of credit freeze keeping you from opening on my Social Security because. When I went to set up mine, I couldn't do it because the credit freeze, but there was no suggestion to do what you said. So you're yeah, automatically a member on, of our team. Yeah, it was documented
4: on one of their uh, one of their uh, documents out there. Uh, how and, long did um, it take
0: you waiting at a Social Security office to see someone, to get I, that I code? probably
4: waited probably like 15 minutes. It really wasn't bad, and the people were very helpful there.
0: Well, that's really great. So I just need to go familiarize myself with the people at my closest Social Security office.
4: Yeah, they they were were very helpful. I was pleased with it. And
0: and any inside scoop about what day of the week is best for somebody to do that? I think I
4: went on a, it might have been a Tuesday, I think.
0: And not crowded.
4: Yeah, I went first thing in the morning, and there were like two or three people ahead of me, but it wasn't too bad.
0: Two or three. The last time I I took somebody who was older to the Social Security office, we walked in and it looked like every American citizen who was about to request Social Security was all there at once. And you only had (laughs) two or three. Yeah. Okay, that's really great. So you're a lucky guy. I need to find out from you what numbers to play in the lottery. If I would play a lottery, which I won't, Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. If you got a question for me go to clark.com/ ask. You have a question you just want answered. Well at clark.com, you move down the main screen. you can get free off-the air advice. You'll see the phone number and the hours you can call in and talk with a member of team Clark. This has been a service of our show. Soon we'll have our 25th birthday of answering your questions off the air. So occasionally I'll take a call from somebody who's driving the same car they've had for 25 years. That's like a real wow, right? But what's more and more common is when I hear from somebody who has a car they've had on the road 15 or more years. And the average age of a vehicle on the road is bumping up against 12 years. And that's because vehicles are made so much better than they used to be, so much more reliable, and the car market is so intensely competitive that fear is a great motivator. And so the automakers really work at it. Consumer Reports has come up with their annual reliability ratings showing what vehicles what brands and then individual vehicles are the most reliable and the most reliable vehicle sold in the country is the Toyota brand and what's funny is Toyota beat its rich brother Lexus because Toyota owns Lexus, Lexus usually at the top but Lexus Trails Toyota. What I find especially interesting is that the third most reliable brand is a bargain brand, Kia. Kia is one of the least expensive overall for a brand of vehicles you can buy, SUVs, cars, whatever, and it is incredibly reliable through their vehicle lineup now who's right behind them audi and bmw and it's unusual for the german brands to rank so high in reliability because their vehicles tend to be so complicated but here they are and consumer reports crunches massive data to come up with these numbers to figure out what's most reliable and there you have Audi and BMW, which is very important because huge number of Audi and BMW buyers buy them used after somebody's returned them from one of those three-year leases. So buying something that shows very high predicted reliability, a great idea. So what's, oh, and I should tell you, Subaru came in behind Audi and BMW. First American nameplate, Buick at eighth place. Now what's not reliable? The least reliable Ram and Dodge. And they're in a virtual dead heat as the least reliable vehicles you can buy, followed by Volvo and Lincoln. So the full list, you'll see in news stories if you're not a Consumer Reports subscriber, and you can see for a brand you're considering buying how reliable or not reliable it is. Lisa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Lisa, how's it going with you?
5: Everything's going great, thank you. How are you?
0: Wonderful, thanks. Lisa, you are seeing these pitches on TV or on the web or uh, maybe hearing an ad on radio for doing what?
5: Exactly. I heard an ad on the radio that is supposed to protect you uh, against title fraud, a.k.a. house stealing. And it is geared primarily towards people who have a large amount of equity in their home or outright own their home. And they claim that it's possible for, you know, the bad guy to figure out, hey, this guy's got some equity in their house. And they steal the title from them. I forget exactly how the bad guy does it because I can't my brain doesn't work that way. And uh-huh. so they, you know, there's kind of a scare tactic here saying that they can protect you. Um,
0: All right. They, so they uh, cannot protect you. Okay. But a bit of trivia, what mm-hmm. percent of Americans that are buying or own a home, what percent do you think own their home free and clear?
5: I would think it's about 8%.
0: How about a third? Oh, Wow. Isn't that something?
5: That is something. Because there are
0: people who think they'll never be able to really own a home, that they'll always be beholden to a mortgage company. Right. But you got about one in three that own it free and clear. Okay. So the issue and the fear is that a con artist comes in and cons either uh, the local authorities or a lender – or both, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. equity strip from the home or completely strip ownership of the home. And the the product's being peddled, and they're being peddled every media you can think of, and they mm-hmm. tend to charge 10 to $15 a month. is kind of the range. Exactly. They're kind of like credit monitoring for home titles. Okay. So they're not able to prevent these crimes from taking place the crimes are very rare and as a result of the equifax breach Mm -hmm. people are going to institute stricter protocols for establishing identity throughout the financial services industries so i'm not of a mind that you should even think about spending this money
5: okay and that's kind of what I was thinking, but they do, you know, of course, claim that they have proprietary technology. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and right as right. was pointed out to us, we uh, I wanted to verify my gut on this, and we talked to three different real estate lawyers that in a lot of jurisdictions in the country, the paperwork trail is so slow on ownership title changes that it would be months after some monkey business has gone on before you'd actually know from one of these subscription monitoring services. So save your money. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Scott. Hey, how you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Scott. I love your question. Yeah, so it falls under the
2: category of uh, saving more uh, that you talk about a lot. So my question is, is I'm looking to increase the amount of savings that I'm doing. And I'm above the point in my 401k at which my company is matching already. But they also offer an opportunity to buy company stock at a discounted price.
0: They give you a 15% um, discount or 25% discount? 50, yeah, 15% off uh, the
2: list price of the stock.
0: I love that. Question, it's like we're going in to buy a car. Today yeah. and today only, fifteen percent off any car on the lot. Yeah, <laughs> but this exactly. is ongoing. You get so if a stock's selling for a hundred bucks, you pay eighty five a share.
2: Exactly. There's some. There's some downside. Obviously, there's a, there's some gotchas there. One is obviously you'd be taking the money out of a tax sheltered account. It wouldn't be within the four hundred one k anymore. Right. And then the other part is. The 401k is a low-cost provider. You know, I think I pay on the index funds 0.14 percent. Um, but the stock purchase plan is through a full brokerage house um, firm, which pays you. You know, which has some fees to it. Um, oh, as, as they don't. Well. They don't so,
0: issue the shares free of any brokerage fee or transaction fee. It's free of a transaction fee until you sell them. Ah. But at the time you go to sell, you have the right to transfer the ownership of the the shares to whoever your low-cost provider is and sell there.
2: Ah, okay. I didn't know about that. So it's very
0: common that people will move brokerage holdings from one provider to another. And so if your employer has made what to me is a terrible decision and is using a high-cost brokerage You just, at the end of the game, you move it. But there's something else core to this, and that is it's dangerous to get your paycheck from an organization that you're also invested in, but because of the 15% discount on share purchase price, putting some money into it is not a terrible risk. You know, if you heavily go into taking money that you're choosing to put aside for the future into this stock ownership thing, that would be a mistake. But if it's like a side thing to what you're doing, saving for your future, I think go for it.
2: Okay. Uh, That that helps. And and can I ask just a quick follow-up on, uh, well, a side question there? Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the the 401k has the option of doing a Roth 401k or a traditional 401k. Do you have a rule of thumb of should you mix it, should it be all in one, you know, should it change as you get older or
0: um, Yeah, okay. So up to age 45 unless you're an ultra high income earner, the advantages of the years highly weigh in favor of doing a Roth 401k instead of the regular. Okay. Um If you are not a high-income earner, you're a moderate-income earner, then continuing to do the Roth 401k would still be applicable even past age 45. Okay. So it's really your tax bracket ultimately makes that decision because the reason I say that is that if you are a high-income earner paying a high tax rate, then you have odds favoring you in retirement being in an equal or lower tax bracket if you're a moderate income earner with an aging population the odds are eventually we're going to have higher tax brackets and it's better to not have the tax break now so that you have the money tax-free later
2: all right well that helps thanks clark i appreciate uh, the answer
0: sure have a great day and john joins us on the clark howard show hi john
6: hey clark Great to talk to you.
0: Great having you here. You were thinking of becoming, well, kind of like a cross between a landlord and a hotelier.
6: Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, we, we built a, a kind of a, a separate apartment from my grandmother when she moved up um, in 2007. She passed away in 2013 at the age of 100.
0: Wow, and she lived to 100.
6: Yeah. Yeah, she had a nice long life for sure. Um and uh, but ever since she passed away, we've had this separate apartment that it, it just kind of sits there. I mean, we have when we have family up, it's kind of a nice place for them to be able to go and get some privacy. But a lot oh, of wait, 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 wait
0: have- for them to get some privacy, or for you to get some privacy. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, maybe a little bit of both. But okay, <laughs> uh, but they yeah, they really you know people really like when they come up. But I'm um, thinking you know. I don't want somebody to be in there as a regular tenant like a you know be like a regular landlord but I thought maybe doing something like Airbnb or, or something along those lines might might be a good idea but It's
0: great for you to uh, it's a great way for you to dip your toes in if nothing else yeah. because if you sign somebody to a year's lease and you're like this is a nightmare why did we do this if you yeah. do Airbnb it's you know it's very low risk and you do it as much or as little as you want because you choose how much availability you put up on the calendar.
6: Well, I guess a the, the, the couple of things I was wondering about is um, like the liability issues as far as having to, you know, you have to uh, get a hold of your homeowner's insurance and let them know that you're doing this. Right. Okay.
0: And some homeowners insurers today are very accommodating to Airbnb and others still have their heads buried in the sand and don't want to recognize the sharing economy. So it's right. just, you'll find that out when you call.
6: Um, and I guess one of the other questions I had was as far as, um, like our place is not really handicapped accessible per se. So I don't know if that would be an issue too.
0: Nope. You don't have to be ADA compliant at all. You're not running a professional hotel property. Okay. So okay. unless a local jurisdiction had some kind of, extreme arcane rules about that you're good to go without being ada compliant
6: okay yeah those were two of my main questions and you
0: set the rent as you wish you also set uh how strict a policy you are on on payment and deposits you know because you'll see if you look through look through a lot of listings on airbnb and see how they're listed you know with how they handle bookings what they require what the refund policies are, and take a lot of pictures of this separate residence so that somebody really is able to thoroughly see what it is they'd be staying in. Okay. And you'll learn over time, based on the demand that you create, what the price point should be. You know, getting pricing right on Airbnb, particularly for people that are new on it, is hard. I've I've found things where people severely underpriced their property and others where they're just never getting any activity because they've overpriced per night. And it takes a while to get that mix just right.
7: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Joel asks it for you. Clark, Kimberly wants to know, I remember you saying that there's a better day of the week to book a flight and a specific number of days before the flight that booking is best. Could you fill me in? Sure, it's actually the best days to travel for the lowest prices. There is no more any pattern anybody's been able to discern as a best day to book travel. It used to be that there was the worst time on the weekends. That's not true anymore either. But travel, the cheapest days of the week to travel, I'd say my favorite is Saturday afternoons after 2 p.m., and any time on Tuesday or Wednesday is when each week you'll get your lowest prices. As far as how far ahead to book, it seems that, the, that with air travel, that when you get inside six weeks, you start seeing it more difficult to find deals. But there's a newer pattern that I've only noticed this year, and that is there must be some extremely sophisticated software airlines are using now that sometimes at the very last minute if you're an impulse person you may find an extremely cheap deal to go on extra short notice sylvia wants to know clark what are the pros and cons of an umbrella insurance policy well there's only pros to an umbrella insurance policy they're very cheap to buy relatively for what you get what it is is it stands over all your liability risk you have in your life. They're sold in increments of $1 million, and they are very cheap. And so anybody who has a lot of assets, homes, investments, whatever, you should have umbrella insurance. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone.